Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Jeremy. I'm in California. I'm in Venice Beach at my Aunt Jane's house. I'm actually in the back house, which she rents out sometimes, but no one's here, so I can stay here. My mom is sleeping in the kind of library TV room, which we set up as a nest for her. So she felt, you know, in her natural surroundings, just like completely covered by everything with a huge TV on 24 hours a day. Um, and uh, everything's going well. The flight was fine, though my mom thought she was going to have a nervous breakdown. And because um, we were both in middle seats, she behind me. And um, she did a thing during the flight where she tapped me on the shoulder and and kind of shook this bag of like desiccated coconut in my face. And um, I was asleep. So I just like, I just propped myself up and turned around and looked at her and I said, I'm asleep. And I just sat right back down. I know it was rude. I know that. But I was asleep and it made me cranky. And for some reason, my mother is one of the only people I can be incredibly rude to, though I really love her and I shouldn't be. So I'm thinking about that while I'm here. Um... What else has happened? I've already seen some friends. I took a ballet class with my friend Alexa. And it was just like the cast of characters in an L.A. ballet class is unlike it's unlike New York. There was this woman in class who, if you just looked at her legs, you'd be like, are you an ABT? She could sort of stick her legs all over the place and her feet are amazing. It all fits together. And then she would dance and it was like, have you... I was kind of like, are you eight years old? But she looked 40. It was very confusing. Um, also, um, I went to an acro yoga class last night with my friend Mark, uh, which really did a number on my deep rotators, because essentially just like holding people with your legs. Uh, it was strange, a little culty, but I enjoyed it. It's very LA. Everyone here is in like a good mood. They're really like chilled out. They use words like dude and bro and like in my mind I want to say kibby and babe, but those are my mom's words. So it's not that. There's just stuff they say stuff I don't know. And generally, they're just kind of, they seem like they're really fine. Feels like no one works here. We've eaten some, like, phenomenal food right off the bat. The food here is just, it's just better. Everything's more alive. There are palm trees. Uh, um... I guess that's all I'm going to tell you for now. It's my hope that you get this voice memo and you reply. And then the beginning of our next podcast will just be a series of um, voicemails to one another. Um, I saw Ladybird. I can tell you about that if you ask in the next uh, voice memo. Um, anyways, I hope you're good. I hope New York is okay. I realize it can't be great. So I do love the holidays in New York and I love the sparkling star on Fifth Avenue. 
I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Reed. I'm in relaxing New York. It's so wonderful here. It's so beautiful and calm. Um, that sound is construction happening under my apartment. I can, I can feel it shaking through my bones, which is, it's so nice. It's like, um, like sitting in a massage chair, except you're not getting a massage by choice. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost hard for me to think right now. I, uh, come back to my apartment to do, um, some emails and, uh, stuff with my healthcare. And, um, so I think it's just going to be a really wonderful time of being on the phone with my healthcare and returning these emails and, um, just feeling this sound and hearing this sound, right? Because it's just, it's really throughout. I'm going to keep this brief because I'm sure other people might not be into it. Um, maybe they're really into it. <laughs> uh, so glad to hear that LA is really nice and that everyone isn't working and that it's just like really calm and beautiful and alive. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you that you get to have that experience. Um, and I love that you question why your mother, why it's your mother that gets your wrath. Um, it's, it's just incredible. Here I am and having been in therapy for over 15 years and you've never gone to one therapy session. So perhaps when we're together, we sort of even it out. Um, I'll, I'll send something later. Hi, Jack. So I just got your message. Um, it was deeply disturbing. Um, it's truly deafening. And you're living through it. It's your actual life. The sound of that clattering construction. I am, um, I'm laying down again. Now it's nearly two o'clock. And so far today, I, I, I woke up and, as you know, and I, went and had a latte that my aunt made on her fancy cappuccino maker in her kitchen. My mom and Jane and I talked about stuff. And then Jane went to go do physical therapy. Oh, no, no. I made a nice mango and fresh yogurt and honey thing for breakfast. And then Jane went to physical therapy and mom started watching Planet of the Apes, one of the screeners. And I did some emailing and then we went for, Jane got back, we went for a really beautiful lunch at um, Justa, which is the kind of deli portion of this wonderful restaurant called Jelena. Had the most wonderful tuna sandwich and these hunks of kabacha squash and Jane had this beautiful pumpernickel toast with butter and salmon roe. It was great. 
Um, then we went to some shops on Abbot Kinney. My mom wanted to go into Muji to buy a scent infuser. And we went into this store that's been around forever that sells linen stuff that could be quite good, but they need help with branding. Um, also, I forgot this morning I wanted to make a correction for last week's episode, which with Anthony, where I talk about how Anthony did this amazing backbend in Jessica Lang's piece, which he did. And I likened it to the Sanguinic section of Four Temperaments, but that was wrong. And I immediately knew it was wrong, but I couldn't go back. There was no going back. And now I realize that it was the melancholic section of Four Temperaments. And I struggle with those words because and, you know, they're words I don't say much. I don't know what sanguinic means. I don't know what phlegmatic means. I don't know what choleric means. I imagine the word cholera comes from it or colic or... So it's got to be bad, right? Negative, sick things. Like things that people in L.A. don't feel. But melancholic, I know that means sadness. And the other ones, I don't know. But at any rate. You know, I've only danced the opening theme of Four Temperaments, which is none of the above. It's nothing to do with any of those multi-syllable f- words about feelings. Um, so bye. Uh, I hope the sound is over in your apartment and that you've gotten a lot of things done. And I hope you've gotten to take a bath to blow off some steam. Anyways, it's... It's room temperature in L.A. and the sun's out and the sparrows are singing. Oh, wow. Uh, Kentaro wins. That's what your mom screamed on the phone to you. I finished watching Project Runway. I've never watched this show before, so... You know, it was like, whatever. Those... What? I'm... I just finished watching it. I'm so shocked. I'm... I'm also thinking about the the tax bill that, <laughs> that the Republican Party wants to pass and, um, you know, numerous other uh, hideous things uh, that are happening in this country. Um, and so in this way, it just, the show felt really correct. Um, I, not that I don't think, I don't know if I don't think Kentaro shouldn't have won. That collection was amazing. But I'm just kind of like, yeah, it was cold. That his collection did give me chills. I I actually had chills watching it. There were just that that last look of that that white dress with the black cloud over it. I was like, oh, I love that. I mean, the silhouettes were really amazing. Poor Brandon. Sorry. Nope. So good through the whole season, but then just like one long vintage sofa you can buy in Hudson. That's kind of what it felt like looking at that look. I was like, I've seen this sofa when I've gone shopping with Parker. Um, but I really thought it might be Margarita, actually, for a moment, because I loved those looks. I know you can't stand her, but I, I thought I thought her collection was amazing. Um, and I loved Ayana's collection. I, I actually thought she was going to win. Kentaro's collection, I guess, if I was to think about the four of them, yeah, I, I guess it's, I guess it's the best or the most fashion. It's cold, but isn't fashion cold? 
Isn't it just cold now? Um, isn't everything just cold? Oh my God. The story that he tells about the dead cat underground that sings to him. I really, that, that, I don't know. I think because of memes and gifs, I only watch things in 12 second clips in my mind now. So everything just seems like an incredible gif. I feel Heidi Klum has so many, so many amazing, amazing things. I really can do it perfectly. Hello. That's her when she comes out on the runway each time to say hey to the designers. I'm so curious what you thought when you watched it. And, um, but we don't want to, you know, take too long about it because then people will be bored and they've already seen it. Um, obviously the construction has stopped below my apartment. I guess it's going to be happening here for the next at least month. (laughs) Um, because they're putting a laundromat in. So that's great. Um, but I'll just need to make sure I'm never here. And, um, yeah, I did take a bath. I did do that. I actually took two baths today, which then makes me think of Blanche Dubois. You know, she's like always in the bathtub, anxious. I started drinking Diet Coke again. So, oh my God. I mean, I just listened to your voice memo. It's what a thrill. What a thrill that you watched Project Runway. The only regret is that we didn't get to watch it together. But now, from now on, for hopefully the next 16 seasons of Project Runway, we'll be able to talk about it and commiserate. You're the, Literally nobody watches this show. And what they don't understand is the only way you can experience... Um, any kind of like discourse about, about this thing. And are the judges wrong? Almost always. But I don't care. I enjoy myself. Heidi Klum is full entertainment. Tim Gunn is not real life. Um, And then, you know, Nina and Zach are just like generally incorrect, particularly Nina. Strange. Um, She didn't used to be like that, but now she's just like done with anything that's like not super regular. And like, oh, don't make anything black. She can't take it. She won't do it. You're gone. Um, so I'm going to tell you all my thoughts. And I don't care if we bore people. People should watch Project Runway. It is important. It's a piece of garbage show, and I know that. I know that. But I just want to also say that it's 10-something in L.A. I'm back in my bed. I've been in bed many times today. I'm on vacation. Um, so let's talk about, yes, Kentaro is what my mother screamed into the phone. She picked up the phone and she screamed, Kentaro won! Can you believe it? But louder. Um, and yes, it was correct. The I Was it a somewhat manipulative show with the music? Absolutely. And was it insane, the story he told about hearing the sound from the dead cat he had buried and then writing it down to be that music? Incredible. Tim Gunn's reaction is one of the best things I've ever seen on television. And if you haven't seen it, please Google it. It's, it's worth millions of dollars. Just watch it. Okay, so... Kentaro won, and that was correct, and a big surprise, because the judges were 
not having him the whole season. Even when he would do beautiful looks for people, sometimes he'd be in the bottom two. And I would be like, how is this happening? Like the editorial challenge where he made that black look for the plus size model. And I was like, she looks the best she's ever looked, truly. It was like a layered look with a kind of crossover pant and like a sheer over thing over this kind of boxy blouse and showing no skin and looking utterly chic and bottom two. <coughs> um, okay, so Kentaro's looks for his winning collection. The first look truly did give me chills. The silhouette of it, this kind of like straight jacket, white tunic with this beautiful tool sculpture strapped onto it. It was like, it was so good. It was just harmonious and beautiful. And that like flesh colored, peach colored, leathery top with the pleated skirt was so beautiful. And the look he kind of threw together when he got rid of his like appendage tool look was not great. But it wasn't terrible with the kind of painted treatment pocket thing. The last look with the with the kind of crinkled sheer overlay was very beautiful. And I thought the kind of very short red dress with the draping and the sleeves was very beautiful and the plunging neckline. Um, if you want to feel depressed about the world in general, about the state of humanity... Go on JCPenney and have a look at uh, their interpretation of the, his winning looks and the prices. You're in for a real gagger. Um, and uh, Margarita's collection was... I'm moving on to Margarita's collection. Margarita's collection was, yes, deservedly the second place collection. And it was exuberant and fun and her fabric treatments were fun. And do I hate her? I do. And do I not care about her feelings? Not at all. Was it strange that she cried nonstop for seven episodes? It was bizarre. I never once saw her without a glassy eye. It was concerning, and I also still didn't care about her. Um, there were many nice looks in that collection, and uh, I would like to wear a caftan with a jeweled fish. I don't care. Um, I don't have much to say beyond that. Brandon's collection was unfortunate in that if you looked very closely at it, you're like, oh, this he used an upholstery fabric, which had flamingos, and he did this kind of like bleach out dye treatment where you'd like strip the color out of some areas, color remover, they'd call that. Um, it's a RIT product. Um, it was really like the first look. You could be like, that is pretty. This kind of shade of pink that was pervasive was beautiful. Um, by the time you got to look four, it just became like mush. It became like a bowl of pink porridge all the way to the last look. It was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. It's just all these strings and boxy garments and this pink color. And if he had fabricated some of that collection in different fabrics, he might, he may well have won, but he, he kind of, he made a mistake. He made a mistake. And, you know, he was really cool as a cucumber the whole season in his very simplistic way. But then when he fell apart backstage, that was, you know, that was sad. I, 
I felt for him. And because he really thought he was going to win. And he said as much. He was an honest fellow, though I do think he was manipulative with Kentaro. There was something not right about that. I think he was, I don't know. It was something strange about this kind of like beautiful young straight guy, like acting like the best friend and confidant of this like 40 year old kind of brilliant Japanese guy who was just in love with Brandon. I mean, weren't we all? Um, Ayana's collection, I'm shocked that you liked it. I think it was a piece of garbage. I think that the fact that she even made it to the finals was insane. I think it was all... a. I felt that the judges didn't feel they were able to criticize her work because she had this kind of like political um, trajectory through her whole her whole season of being like, I'm a modesty designer. I'm coming from this like Muslim point of view. And it was like, but your clothes look so sad. I've never seen clothes that sad. They look like every fabric looked like from the bargain bin of like the cheapest, saddest stores in the garment district. And even with her like printed, like woodland prints, it just like, Uh, I've never felt so sad looking at clothes and that like kind of gown that came out of nowhere in her collection at the very end that all the judges were like and that is a beautiful dress I was like that is literally the dress in the windows of the like sample makers in the garment district who like put these bizarre beaded gowns in the windows that you're like what is that even so that was her collection and um I didn't care for her and I didn't care for that collection and I know in listening to this it may sound like I don't like women, but I just didn't like those women. Um, anyways, uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say about that in general. I think when we get back together, we'll have a great deal to say about Project Runway. Um, I was listening uh, back on a previous episode and <laughs> came across an incredible moment. I'm doing corrections a little bit today. I came across an incredible moment where you... Um, we talked about the perfect pitch thing again and how you did that play where you had to come in on the note and you were like, I really did. Every time I came in on an F flat and I was, I kind of just like, it just flew past me because I didn't think much of it. I was moving on to the next topic and was kind of like, I I think I might've said something like, okay, well, we'll see if you sang an F flat. And then in hindsight, listening to it, I was like, there's no such thing as an F flat A of all. And I guess the B of all of it is also that there is no such thing as an F-flat. An F-flat is an E. So, E and F are a half step apart. I guess you could call E and F-flat, but it's really a stretch. Um, anyways, I'm glad the construction stopped. I'm so thrilled for you that you just got to experience Sandra Project Runway. I love your Facebook story with Brandon and Kentaro eating sandwiches in their pajamas on the roof of the Empire State Building, which was perhaps the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen on TV of all the contestants being in sleeping bags, sleeping on the observation deck of the Empire State Building with cameras rolling. It was insane. Wearing pajamas. Ugh, I love that show. Mm-hmm.
what's go. Oh, it's going so hard doing on. This. Oh, it's painful. Here we go. Okay. All right. What's what's going, going on with dance and, and stuff? What's happening? What's happening with, with dance and things? things? What's going on? What's going happening? On? What's, what's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Were you afraid because you're recording and you're, we're on a slight delay or something? There, it's the delay. You got, you're going to have to have a Pink Floyd moment with this uh, this version of singing it with the delay. Yeah. I think it, it also doesn't like when multiple people talk at the same time. Oh. So I think it was a beautiful version. Oh, well, that's amazing. Reed, you were on the West Coast and I... <laughs> <laughs> Full video drops back. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very Heidi Klum. You're on the West Coast. We're on the East Coast. Um, we're doing whatever that project run. Have you watched Project One Ray, Runway? Not recently. Said? Not re- Oh, I have. Uh, it's so in this last in a couple episodes ago, Heidi Klum couldn't be there for deciding who the final people were who were going to Fashion Week. So she was there on a screen. To she had she was it was like a <laughs> gross read. It was like a I'm sorry. It was like a really big moment and she was like, I'm sorry, I have to be in LA. And she was still hosting and, from the screen. And oh, she yeah. was like bigger than life size. Oh, yeah. on the and they screen. had her on amazing. a giant it's kinda like how this looks right now, where Larissa and I look, you know, petite and you look gigantic because you're really I look on like that iPad. Um, an amazing German model. That's right, you're Heidi Klum. <laughs> Hello. Thank that's, you. That's how she always says hello to everyone in the room. We're here with Larissa Velez Jackson. Hello. I'm so happy Hi. that you're on the podcast. Larissa, we love you so much. And I've seen, we think we've both seen a lot of your work. I've curated you. Very much. I've curated you at least once. Twice. Twice. I've curated you twice. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking this morning as, as you were as I was, oh, Larissa's coming today. I was thinking about the first piece of yours I saw, which was, oh my God, that piece, it was it was one of those pieces that you really, that really shook me. Um, and uh, it was when you'd gone through a breakup and it began with you getting very close to the audience and singing a song to them, which was Don't Hurt the Dancer. Yeah, Do Not Hurt the Performer. Do not hurt the performer. <laughs> and do you remember what you were saying in between that? Yeah. Well, um, she is fragile. She's going through a lot of things right now. Why would you think about hurting the performer? <laughs> performer, performer. Yeah. Uh, and getting really close to folks. Yeah. That's how the piece began. She is fragile. She's going through a lot of things right now. Why would you want to hurt the performer? Yeah. Don't hurt the performer. It's real. <laughs> it's real. That piece was uh, making It's a good meet. show. What was it called? Making ends meet. Making ends meet. It was so, and then, and also, you were. I felt like really one of the first people to deal with reality television. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was the first piece I saw with. Um, you had video in it. This was two thousand four. Am I right in that? Um, I believe seven. No. Yeah. It was two thousand seven. Really? I believe so. Oh. Because At then, Place. It, yeah. Or oh, I wow. thought it was earlier because Matthew Rogers and I were together. That would end in two thousand eight, and I feel like I where saw Where was it. where was the reality TV piece? What? What was? Where was the reality TV? piece? It was part of this piece, which is there was video, 
and there would it was when it was kind of so you think you can dance a lot of us were watching that and um there would be she would have video of dance confession yeah yeah, so the piece begins with so sort of yes, assaulting performers at the beginning by saying, why would you think about hurting a performer? And, and, uh-huh. and singing in a pretty shrill sort of high-pitched uh-huh. voice at points with that and looking, you know, kind of going audience member to audience member with that and then going through uh, a dance sequence, which was very jarring. A very jarring dance <laughs> solo, uh-huh. and then immediately it, it switches to a video where it all begins to make sense. Where what you've watched, what I've been going through, is my attempt at whatever is the reality, you know, TV protocol of that week. So, so I'm going through these um, video journals where I'm talking about like this week was so hard. Everyone in the house <laughs> hates me. They think I have an eating disorder, but I'm not thin enough to have an eating disorder. You know, and then I go on and on and about, uh, and then uh, how I have an edginess coach, Uh you know, like I'm trying to be edgy and I have an edginess coach. (laughs) And then I walk out to sing a song at the end. Yeah. So as if all that you were experiencing as the audience member were my attempts to do whatever I'm supposed to be doing in this reality show. But there was also a section about your then... Oh yes. So there was also this. So you know, this piece this... had iterations. That's right. And then that, and I don't even, you know, I put it out of my mind. I probably blocked that part because it was so intense. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't what I remember. I was. You had video of you two on a trip to somewhere. Yeah, uh, Tobago, Trinidad and Tobago. In T- Trinidad and Tobago, and there were these in the video. It was from from for real for this vi- a video of her and her then boyfriend on this trip. And there were these clay birds, perhaps? Yeah. Oh, they were made out of coconuts that we bought. Oh. And we were planning engagement during so this. So they were we're planning like, we're an engagement. Back here. We're planning engagement. We're probably going to come back here. To, uh-huh. Like, you know, you for plan your, together. For your honeymoon. For and so that you order. see these coconuts, like, hanging in the back while they're on this trip. And it's all, like, footage that they've taken of this trip. It was Two lovebirds that were carved out of coconut. And then you see this list of all the things he says he's going to do for her that he, like, wrote out a letter or something to her. I remember this so intensely. That was, like... Nightmare! Oh, I put this entire part of this piece out of my mind. Oh, well, I'm sorry that I'm bringing it up. (laughs) But it was so incredible. And it was, like, I will always respect you. I will always blah, blah. Like, just all those sorts of things. And then you realize that you were cheated on. Yeah. And at that point, she then shows slides of him naked, of all the photos she had of him naked. Oh, no! did this. And he was um, (laughs) hot, I have to say. And so then we were dealing with the sort of objectification of this man who had... So then we went into this, or what, at that point for me, or I was thinking about... um, uh, objectification going the other way of objectifying this man and his body and also out of revenge and of levels Larissa, did he find out about it? About this piece? Uh, I don't really, you know, that's the thing. I didn't post, this didn't go on YouTube or anything. So it was really just for whoever was in the room got some real intimate look at And thank God I was in the room, let me just say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, then you see her, so you're dealing with these different styles of video. One is full documentary of the past, of a past that's fallen apart. One is private, very private, I would say, um, photos, slides. Then you have this fantasy video of So You Think You Can Dance, Dance Confessionals, where she's talking about herself as if she's on the show. And then 
Oh my god, this was amazing. You watch, I watch you. You watch Larissa like tear up that letter that he wrote, like write on it and be like write all the opposite things he did actually, and then take those coconut birds into a closet to smash them with a baseball bat, but. <laughs> She had a hard time smashing them because they were coconuts. <laughs> so, so hard. you watched this like continual failure of trying to break something from someone who's hurt you so bad. And so then oh, this is a good show. Oh, it was oh, it was incredible. It was I couldn't stop talking about it. And then watching you hit these coconuts but not be able to break them, and you hearing her be like, "Fuck, fuck," and just like this extreme. And it, I was like, "That's exactly what it's like." Of you, you have this memory and you want to break it and you can't. And was this back? This was in 1985. What did you know? it, was in, it was in 2000. I thought it was really 2005. 2006. Definitely wasn't because the breakup was like seven. Oh, okay. seven. Well, so so it was 2007. It was or whatever. The show was lining up with this shit going on in my life as well. Wow. And so it's because when I broke that. That was like the day I was leaving, I think like moving my stuff out. So like the broken birds were left in the closet yeah. and I left, this part wasn't in the piece, but every photograph of us, I laid on the bed in like a grid. <laughs> and and get pristinely left, like I didn't trash the place. It was just, just the, the coconut the stuff birds in the, the closet. The, closet uh-huh. the grid of all the pictures of us on the bed. And then the last thing that I did, this wasn't in the piece either, but I knew I, I'm really good with electronics. I'm the one who like yeah, yeah. sets up the whole household. I just like switched uh, the cable. Like he had a whole setup with like the wall mounted TV and all uh, of these things. Uh. I just made the wires switched so the TV would never work, but he'd never know why. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. <laughs> that was it. I love. That's so amazing. So those things that were in the piece. It's so funny because I think it probably. I don't even think I saved a, a document of that particular iteration, and I just wiped it out of my mind. So it's hilarious it was, to hear. Well, it was it was so informative for me because I felt like I was had been seeing a lot of work in terms of you know that phrase personal as political, and this was the first one of the first pieces that I saw that I felt obviously Karen Finley had been a big influence on me. And this is the first piece I saw that I felt uh, functioned post that in terms of so many layers, but using a sense of real humor. And then the dancing was incredible. I mean, you're such a incredible mover and, uh, and that there were all these things happening all at once. Which, hey, I want to know what Larissa's dance and music background is. Oh, let's jump right and, into that. And, and where is Larissa from? I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Glamour. Glamour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and started at the June McCain School of Dance, which was in Kearney, a couple towns over, uh-huh. very near where all of the Sopranos were filmed. So like on that block, Kearney Avenue, okay. Harrison Avenue. Very Dolly Dinkle school. She was a Rockette. Oh, but at a certain point, uh, as she was really aged, because she was aged when she when I started and I was little, and then of course she becomes more aged, and so she starts hiring ballet dancers and jazz dancers from New York. So there was a real mix of like her, you know, the real Dolly Dinkle, and then actually really great technical people like coming in who would just come in for like a year and then leave. And so it was interesting training. So that's where pretty much I started dancing. Um, and then by high school, New Jersey School of Ballet was where I eventually 
and it was interesting because I started so late in terms of going to a school like that. Um, and mm. I knew I wanted to go to college, um, you know, for dance, like a dance conservatory program. I wasn't in the ballet classes of kids my age. Let's say if I was 16, I wasn't in the 16 year old ballet class because they were already like getting ready for like company track, mm -hmm. you know? So I was with like the 12 and 13 year olds, <laughs> <laughs> but they're training hard, those little kids. Uh -huh. And I was in their class as a teenager, you know? So always had this very weird perspective um, and no musical training Oh, at all. No music training. You just figured training. it out. You yeah. just figured out how to make music. Yeah. As you went along. Pretty much. Actually, uh, it was a yoga program, uh, Rasa Yoga, that I learned, which was very heavily based in a mantra and mm -hmm. sounding during your asana. That's how I started to sing, basically, was through this very restorative practice where you hum and do open vowel sounds on your poses. And I mean, you know, wow. you discover your diaphragm that way. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. So between that and karaoke, because I took karaoke very seriously, that and karaoke sort of very was my bridge to singing. And it was more so computers and stuff, like just getting really into editing programs mm -hmm. and always making music digitally. What dance conservatory did you go to? I went to U, U of Arts, University oh, right. of the Arts oh, wow. in Philadelphia. Right. You made it. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, it was a, that was a crazy program back then, too. I yeah, mean, super that was pre-Donna Faye. Yes, very right. before. Suzanne So it was a little bit more of like, ja it was a little jazzier. Jazzy. The, um, the modern dance was Graham and Horton, but also yes. Ruth Andrian, who was, is one of like Paul Taylor's like crazy soloists. Right. Who is a real, I mean, she's a super eccentric, amazing woman. Um, she was a real. And did you have comp there? Is that where you started to make work? You know, I, at the time, yes. But it, it was actually the influence of a lot of visual artists that I knew at the time. I was dating a painter throughout my entire years of college. He went to SVA. Um, and where'd you guys meet? You guys were commuters. You were yeah. commuting to one another. We you guys met meet? at the Summer Arts Institute in New Jersey. Uh -huh. It was at, it was at uh, the Rutgers campuses. So uh -huh. it was my first, I never went, you know, I didn't have enough money as a child to go to, to an away camp yeah. until like junior and senior year of high school. I got into the Summer Arts Institute and it was... Um, you guys met there. We met there. He was an RA. Camp. He huh. was actually, you know, we, I, well, actually I met on my second year where I was a senior about to go into college. So I was uh -huh. like, it's not so crazy. Uh -huh. He's an RA. Well, check out who was another RA. Linda Marini, oh. Dirty Martini, yes. was in, she was the ballet wow. RA. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. So I, I took ballet Dirty. class with her as a teen. I used to figure model with her. Wow. With Dirty. Mm. Linda. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys were dating, you guys met then and were dating and then you dated all through UArts? You guys dated yeah, four years? Yeah, six, well, we were together six years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of, yeah. Did you like Philadelphia? You know, I didn't. Uh, it was small. It was a it small was town small. for you. It you really was. And, and, and actually, I later, like I at, on senior year, like upon graduation, I was like, get me out of here. I feel like I'm going to know everyone I'm going to be around. Like I know everyone now. Right. You know, this was a thought and it was silly. Yeah. But I had Hillary Clark and I lived oh. together. We had a oh, massive amazing. two amazing. bedroom with a deck. 
and a fireplace and a washer and dryer. Sure, probably what we could wow. have now in Philly. <laughs> well, and not there. I feel anymore. like I feel like Philadelphia is a place that someone like a like a young like a twelve year old had lived in New York and was like, I want to make a Playmobil model of New York, but they'd never really like they didn't understand it fully, so they started putting it together, and they were like, That's good. And that's Philadelphia. <laughs> Except for the all of the other historic, there's some serious historic parts of the city, too. That, oh, that, that, that is a yeah. wild well, right. description. But then they, they dropped the bell, it got cracked, and they left it there, you know? Uh-huh. No, but it was it was silly to leave because I could have lived in that apartment for two more years. Like, you mm-hmm. know, after struggling in New York in the way that we struggle, I was a little bit like, I left that apartment? Like, what uh-huh. was wrong with me? I right. could have lived there for, you know? It's not, and I didn't go to New York right away when I left school either. Where did you go? I actually worked at Arthur Murray Dance School for two years. I learned ballroom and kind uh. of started on the very early, you know, early meaning like very beginner competition uh-huh. circuit. Uh-huh. And I lived with that painter. Right. I'm not saying his name. Uh huh. Um, and oh. in East Orange, Picasso. New in East Orange, New Jersey. But wait, you and Hillary were together in... So we were t- Hillary Clark's so amazing. I mean, we, like, we've got to have Hillary on the show. Yeah. Um, you guys, because she went to UArts mm-hmm. as well, and that's where you guys met. Yeah, that's And I feel met. that's how I met you, actually, was because Matthew and Hillary were dancing together mm-hmm. for Terry. That's right. And she was like, we have to go see Larissa's show at Dixon Place. And that's when I first saw you. Oh, my goodness. Um, at the living room, Dixon Place? In the living room, when Dixon Place was still in the living room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, fond memories. Oh, yeah, it's where I, I, it's where we all did our first shows back then. Mm-hmm. It's so important. It's like the heart. The, it was the beating heart of downtown. Um, so after, so then after ballroom, what have you? Then what happened? How did you? How did making your work? I ran around with hippies for a while. <laughs> I dated a visual artist. I ran around with hippies. I feel it's very we could be like late sixties <laughs> in the in the trajectory. I think I was a little stuck in that mindset too. I was a little like I don't know. I- and had you? And he was it the visual artist who exposed you to Cage and Cunningham and Black to Judson, Mountain to actually Judson. And wow. I, I would go to parties. Uh, you know, I feel like there it's a little di- well, maybe people always go to parties with their professors and stuff, but there was some kind of weird stuff going on in Soho with like you go to like the professor's party and then like they run a bath and you can like just take a bath for no, hours. No, that's what? Not, no, professor, no, that's, <laughs> as a professor, never ever in a million, don't even, I don't like even want to have a meal with my students. Mm-mm, or yeah, coffee. see, so no. so there's stuff going. Nothing but they I can remember eat during dis- the office hours. I remember distinctly, like <laughs> having this, like all of these, like, and they're painters as well, like painters. They're partying, and we're like in, in the bath, like for like a half oh, an hour no. during this party, and then coming out, and then just like having wine, and then being like the professor would be in a bath. No, no. My boyfriend and I, they'd run the bath and like, you guys go, give, you're poor, take this amazing bath. I'm <laughs> Did you guys smell? Were they encouraging you to take I a bath? Know. Because they were like, you need a bath. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I and you know, I have it's... a crappy memory, so I barely, you know, I don't remember what was Was this on. SVA, wow. an SVA professor? Yes, yes, uh-huh. yes, yeah. I know many SVA professors. Me too. You can tell me later. Uh-huh. Um, the professor was? Because I modeled there for so long. And this I, was, we you know, used maybe to have a bathtub in the ago, kitchen so when I was growing up. You did. We could have had parties like that. Well, 
I'm glad you didn't. Um, so, so then the support was coming. So then you, we arrived, we were just like, okay, that was fun. We're at the party. And it's like, Judson, have you heard of Judson? And I was like, Judson, what's Judson? And they're right. like, you're in college for dance and do you don't know, know right. what Judson theater is. Mm-hmm. You do. And then, and then, so like, it was like education, the education I wasn't getting at university of the arts, I was getting through contact mm-hmm. with all of these visual Perfect. artists and mm-hmm. stuff. And then did you start going to Judson's and... No, not really. So then you started researching it and you're like, I'm into this. Oh, yeah. This is fierce. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, because I was also looking... I think I was processing a lot of what was happening in Judson through looking at visual art. I was uh-huh. really obsessed with Cy Twombly paintings. Uh, and I was obsessed with. I'm po- still obsessed with yeah. Cy Twombly paintings. Yeah, have you ever uh, actually, been to the Manila Cy- Pavilion in Houston? No. You, I mean, the Cy Twombly Pavilion at the Manila Collection. You may you go to Houston and go to the Cy Twombly Pavilion mm. soon. It's like one of my favorite places. Wow, it's so incredible. Oh, it's a gagger. Wow. So at Summer Arts Institute. Mm-hmm. That was the first time we went on a trip to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and there's that beautiful Cy Twombly right. room there. So a lot of, you know, mm. I think that was where I really was like, I want to be an artist. Like that yeah. room was kind of like, whatever's going on here, I don't even have quite words for it. Right. But somehow deep down I knew what it was. Right. And I was like, I want to make this as a dancer. And I don't even know if it'll come out as dance or not, but that's what I want. Right. Yeah. And then when did you start doing that? You know, it was a long, I feel like it was a long road. It's like behaving like a hippie for a few years, not having any sense of that I wanted to make work of any kind. And then very slowly, it was actually the burlesque scene was probably my mm. first. Did you do burlesque? I did for one year. Oh. <laughs> one year. And it was like the neo Juliet Juliette Muse was, was my idol when I first was like, okay, I'm in New York so and I'm going to. The wh- only time I've done burlesque was on a shared evening with Julia Ellis Muse. And you did burlesque. Oh, yeah. Yay. I only made what one. What did you wear? Ever. I did it at Brick once. And then at this uh-huh. place called, it's like called like the Jewish something. That's on the Upper West Side. And no, what did you wear on oh, your Oh, what body? did I wear? Clothes. Well, mm. it was a piece. The piece I made was, um, and I want to hear if you were burlesque or thematic. Mine was a narrative. It was as, this is, um, during uh, Bush number two, and I was Martha Graham as Lady Macbeth, as played by Condoleezza Rice. Wow. wow. So I was looking at ideas of, I had read all this stuff about Condoleezza Rice and how she grew up and her interests and ways in which that she uh, really wanted to be distanced from... Ever at how she grew up, and I was wow. thinking about her in terms of these evil white men, and what did she want from them, and what why did she want to participate in this way? And so that's the piece I made, wow. and it ended with um a Martha Graham esque striptease that ended with me in these small panties in which I had stitched I Heart Bush. On oh, my I have bush. It. Now, how long yeah. was this piece? Oh, short. I'm sure it was like six minutes. Yeah, I was going to say. You know? like, that sounds well, like a lot. Perfect, it sounds perfect. Like I can really cram it in. I mean, my shows are generally like, you know, 15 minutes. Um, uh-uh. <laughs> or they used to be. Not anymore. You get older, they get longer. Um, so, and were your burlesques thematic? Um, I had Latina Barbie Robot was uh. one of the first <laughs> real themes. Um <laughs> 
And I had an Antony and Cleopatra piece <sighs> with the ex that I broke the... He yeah. was oh, yeah. Anthony. He was the Anthony. Coconuts. He looked like an Anthony, quite frankly. Um, and that one, that <laughs> How one. Did you meet that guy? Oh gosh. Was he a stripper? No, no. He was actually a. He was an educator, physical ed for special ed kids. Oh. But he was oh. a personal trainer to the stars, Padma Lakshmi and Montel. Wow. And Jordan? he looked like he was real. He, and we met at a bikini, uh, the bikini bar that I worked at in Astoria when I was in my hippie phase. I was basically like in the summers, I would just play frisbee all day, every day in Rockaway Beach. And I worked a couple nights a week at a bikini bar in Astoria. But this was my wonderful. I couldn't yeah, do that this wow. summer. It was, it was my lost phase. I feel like oh. I was a lot. I, I didn't have, I, it was beautiful, but my life didn't have uh, there, my sense of purpose. Right. I didn't have it. Right. I had no, no, but but I was creating and just enjoying and making you money. You feeling and start, an imperative. Not no. at all. Right. Yeah. I was very. You lost. look like a young person, but you sound like you're from the olden days. <laughs> 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 I know. I so feel like you right. should meet your mom. It, you're. It's very know, like Reed's like, mom did wait. that. Like I am still. It's still doing it. She's just right over there. Yay. I won't disturb her. Don't, don't bother, honey, right now. <laughs> Wait, Larissa, did were you kind of masterminding and developing your like kind of visual universe all the while, like making your costumes and the sets? Was that you? Well, what I was doing was working on music. So, pay, you know, I was making cash at this bikini bartending place, and I had my Adele like desktop that was. You tricked out with a good sound system, Del. speakers, and I, I was for like, "For a moment, I was like, Adele wasn't really around no. at that point." And then I was like, "Del," T E L L. And then I was like, "Del," and then I was remembering Del, which yeah, wow. it had a good sound card, and sound I card. was make, you know, I was probably I I made an album at the time. It's still on the internet somewhere. So I was I was definitely the creative voice was was through sound for sure. Mm-hmm. And was I doing, yeah, it was like the burlesque was sort of in and out of was happening. Well, definitely with the, basically the partner that I met, the one that broke the coconut things, met at this place in Astoria. And he kind of, so we started dating a bit, and he was the one who was a little bit like, what, you know, I mean, this was the kind of thing. I had to like field questions like, are you a prostitute? What? From him? From everyone. Either, like, you know, when you work at a place like that, you're fielding questions, like, like, oh, you do this, but, huh? I'm in a bikini (laughs) serving drinks. I'm not sucking dick. My God. Uh, People need to calm down. So, you know, and that, like, Mm. even though I was, like, I kind of felt like I was undercover. I was, like, I felt like I was living a Scorsese movie or something. Mm. The place was red, red light skin, you know, and I was like, I'm an anthropologist. (laughs) But I was also like, it was soul deadening. Having to field questions about whether or not you're a prostitute. Oh, were these people at the bar who'd be like, hey, do you do a little more? Oh. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like friends. (laughs) I thought you were like, what are you doing? Like, well, I work at this bikini bar and they're like, are you a prostitute? No. No. Well, people who wear bikinis are prostitution whores. That's just how it works. (laughs) Okay, every Just so you know, everyone who wears a bikini this summer, you're a prostitute. (laughs) Prostitution whores. That's why Reed and Harry designed one-piece bathing suits. At the workplace. Uh Including, there was a city councilman who would would go to this place all the time, and there was, Uh like, offer on the table, like, 
You know, we like have a million weekend. dollars. Did he feel like Demi Moore in that movie? Uh, it wasn't a million. Oh. <laughs> it's not a million, but it was like. Remember I'm that Demi Moore movie where she. Company, uh, me and my doctor friends. No big deal. But yeah. friends. Oh, honey. Then, you know, five million. A million a friend. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> That's how it works. Wow. Um, so this guy, the, we'll just call him Anthony. Was, uh, yeah, we'll just call him Anthony. Anthony. Great. I love it. Anthony. Um, so he was like, hey, why don't you. He, he was a personal trainer, and he's and he like, like, "Why don't you be a personal trainer?" Well, he's like, "You're so talented, and you're kind of you're a hippie." Uh-huh. So, uh, and I loved yoga. Actually, yoga was like, do you hear that? Just my own self care regimen. What? Do you are hear you that? Okay? Yeah. What is he doing? What are you doing? <laughs> That's not me. I don't hear anything. It's just you. All of a sudden, just started like screaming. <laughs> No. <laughs> and standing I hear in half classical face music. We just find a clean wall and and put your face. No, I on hear it. classical music. Well, it's just on your end. It's fine. This is insane. Oh, it's well, coming like, through your. Is maybe it coming you've through accidentally your pressed earphone? a classical music thing on your iPad and you're playing music from your iPad, which one hmm. surprised Okay, me. I'm gonna. Well, because you're like wandering hmm. around. <laughs> you're like. You're you're in okay. distress. Jack, keep talking to Larissa. I'm going to take a short break and figure this out. Well, just okay. Bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, we'll take a quick break, just on a general, okay, and then come back because I want a little more tea. Okay. Okay, so welcome back. We just took a break. We're back. I want to get back to the, what Anthony brought up. But the first thing I want to bring up is Larissa's birthday is on December 17th. <gasps> is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my birthday. Oh, my goodness. Really? Larissa. I feel that. That makes sense. Yeah. You guys do a lot of different things. We get, we're good at everything. Mm-hmm. Sagittarius is good at everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I'm in, I'm perfect at anything. But that's okay. I'm good well, enough. No one's perfect at anything. Well, we can all try. <laughs> right. Sometimes I have to allow myself to be okay to be a great beginner at everything, and that's it. <laughs> like, I'm kind of like yeah. a great beginner. All, but, like, perpetually. <laughs> yeah. Because we want to just kind of do everything. Yeah. Sagittarius really does. You want what, to do everything. What else like, about us, Larissa? I, tell me about us. What did you say, Reed? I want Larissa to tell me more about being a Sagittarius. Right now? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, in, uh, about the doing everything part? Well, uh, you know, I'll say this. It's gotten to a point where now I want the things that I engage with to have like multifunction. So meaning like, I can't really, I'm not so drawn to like going to just a show of paintings. Whereas I'm much more interested in like going to a wearable art fair where I could potentially buy stuff and then there's music playing and I'm I'm engaging with it in a similar way. Like it's a group art show, but it's not. Like I find that in this way I'm having, I'm enjoying things that have a I don't even know what, the, what like a multi-meaning or something, you know, like that's, yeah. it's gotten to this point. So my life is like that. And then the things I engage in are like this. 
Interesting. I don't think I'm like that. It's a total like multidisciplinary <laughs> life at this point. Interesting. I like to, I like like my, I like to sit down, and just like listen to a symphony, and that's it. <laughs> that is, that is very true. Um, I think you two have different rising signs. Rhea doesn't know what his rising sign is. I think we looked at it once, but I don't think he knows. Um, okay, so... No, we don't know because my mom doesn't know what time I was that born. That makes sense. So, um, Anthony, mm-hmm. the, 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 the bodybuilder guy you'd make a piece about eventually, he was like, you're really talented. You should... Was it him who then pushed you into making work? Well, no. It's very interesting because it was him who was like, you should just be caught. You got to get some kind of certification. He's like, get certifications. Mm -hmm. He's like, get out of here. Mm -hmm. And so with the cash that I was making, I already bought my little, you know, my little sound system. So then with the rest of the cash, I got my first yoga certification, Ah. which, and about halfway into that program, I was so through with that job that I left and was, you know, then... I believe, I actually believe that school didn't allow you to pay by credit card. Like, they didn't want to deal with, like, the, the yoga school? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, please pay us in malas and <laughs> cash. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, like, the last installment. And I remember sitting down and, and kind of coming clean about, I, I think I had come clean also in one of our really intense sessions. I was like, I have been paying for this program by bikini bartending at this horrible place. Wah. You know? And they were like, are you a prostitute? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? They didn't ask the question, but maybe thought that. And then, uh, and so I sat down in the office and I was, I was like, I have my if it was my credit card or my mom's credit card. I don't even remember. But I was like, I know you don't, you know, it was a stipulation that you can't pay for it this way. But I was like, allow me to do this. I'm out of this job. And he said, yes. And I'm like, and so that was the beginning of like the years of certifications that have built up my parallel career, which still subsidizes my participation in my art. Uh-huh. So. Which is <coughs> a many certified yeah what do you have what what certifications do you have so that first one was in rasa yoga so oh. i was an ryt registered yoga teacher and after actually kind of being a little bit teaching yoga a bit um anthony was mm. also like you know this isn't really working out for you so well you're not making so much he was like, you know, you're doing all of this salsa, which at the time I was still sort of ballrooming it up and social dancing. And he was like, I work at the West Side Y. Why don't you try to sub a couple classes? What kind of classes? Um, I think I got a really crappy, cr- really crappy Pilates mat certification uh-huh. in this time too. But uh-huh. like one of those, like it's a bad one. Right. But yeah. as a but dancer, just, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. I was like, you can, I'm just, you can like put those things yeah, together. I'm going to get the slip of paper and, and I'm going to go yeah. in as a dancer and do. Right. So... So I believe I got on the sub, you know, I was like subbing yoga and Pilates mat. But then at the time I was doing loads of social dancing. I was on the salsa scene a bit. And I was like, I could totally make an aerobics workout based on just doing the ballroom figures, which you practice by yourself. And and, and you dance them apart from a partner, you know, where you face each other and called shine position. So I was like, I'm going to take shine patterns and I'm going to make an aerobic sequence out of it. So then I got a quick group certification. Not 
that quick. You have to read textbook, but it was like a quick weekend. Uh-huh. Um, and that really was the ticket because then immediately I got into the aerobics and just regular fitness industry, which I was able to, I found it much more sustainable than yoga um, because I was working at these institutions. Meaning like a little yoga school, it was like if four people showed up, you, you or like two people showed up. You get ten dollars. Yes, and uh-huh. that was the thing. That was kind of my yoga experience at first. No. So so and no, this was thanks. pre-Zumba. Put me at Equinox. I and created I'm gonna, my you own. Created I created my Zumba. own Zumba before Zumba. Wow. Really but yeah. it was ballroom dance. Aerobics. It was and it was very south. It was yeah ballroom, but it was very salsa. But we would do actually sometimes swing jives. We'd be hopping around. Um, Sometimes, I mean, uh, during like the holiday season, I would do some waltz and quick step. I mean, we'd be like bopping around on like holiday stuff. Uh, um, so, yeah, so then. So, what would you wear to teach salsa yoga? To teach the. Oh. Um, I would wear. Actually, there was a time where I would do it in sneakers, but then plantar fasciitis kicked in, and mm-hmm. it actually felt a little better to do it in heels. So, for <laughs> like the salsa aerobics, I would wear, you know, the ballroom dance shoe inch and a half heel I mean sometimes maybe even a three inch wow you know these these are this is not happening anymore (laughs) so um yeah so but the group fitness I mean I've I still teach in in group fitness what it's become now after so many injuries and also like realizing like trying to keep up with people at like their noon and six o'clock like exercise periods where they want to just be like drilled into the floor right you know what I mean um, I switched to senior-based fitness because it was much more sustainable for Wonderful. me. Wonderful. For my body. And also, my first um, interaction with seniors was in ballroom when I was at Arthur Murray Dance School. So many of my like most loved clients, beloved clients, were all elder. And so I first started subbing senior fitness, and I had, of course the best like musical selection for them Uh, based on my ballroom and and just my own collection so it it was the way I really got in they were like who are you and you were like (laughs) I've come (laughs) to get your body together queen yeah and then and what's amazing is you just the piece I didn't get to see it at Bushwick Star I heard so many wonderful things about it Mm -hmm. is you Ah. you just had a piece with how many seniors? Well, well you I had, had your you had their one at Nyla. Yeah, clearly. I had two pieces. The New York Live Arts piece was the right. first commission, large commission. It was with Yakez, my band with my husband John. Um, that had eleven or twelve. Yeah. Wow. Uh, folks from that were sort of called from my senior group fitness classes to create a chorus that backed up our crazy queer band. Um, that happened in March 2017, and then. In September, I created, uh, I presented a solo that had six seniors right. from a local Bushwick senior. What does center. that mean when it was a solo that had, I mean, as someone who also, I, I perhaps has been told that I make solos that have people in it. Um, <laughs> what does that mean for you yeah, as a this... solo with, with six seniors? It's a serious solo structure. It's, mm-hmm. it's my most conceptual minimalist piece, mm-hmm. and it's... Is a big time a solo. What happens is that um, this in this case, I mean, I was open to having about twenty seniors on the stage and almost creating a an environment like a senior center, like mm-hmm. uh, cafeteria style tables, mm-hmm. where they're there and they could either, if my solo 
draws their attention to watch it, they'll watch. And if it doesn't, they'll play cards. Like, they'll do the thing they do. That was the original plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I had secured six incredible, incredible people that performed in this this piece. And um, because there were so few, and we had them all actually facing, so they're on um, stage left, and they were all facing into the stage rather than originally it was supposed to be like potentially they could face each other mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. like journal or whatever they wanted to do if the minimalist thing I was doing got boring. Uh, instead, they all faced out and it really looked like a judge's table. Oh, wow. And so I'm performing this thing in front of them and their reaction to it is very much a part of the comedy. Right. Like whether or not the humor's getting them, if the humor does get them, I am also performing for them. So they're kind of like an important second audience in it and was it a lot of improvisation it's the whole it's there's it's a very 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 specific structure that i go through in the piece um but the entire thing is improvised Mm -hmm. yeah did they have snacks no snacks you know i'm not so into the i have a thing with food i have to like i've never performed with food i like to mix food really into food eating mm. and so I don't mix it with other stuff very often there was water on the table and there were some musical instruments what eventually happens is that um, they all basically have a moment to have solos themselves by the end and the whole thing ends in a big community sort of gathering that so beautiful Caleb really loved it that's how um, I heard about it from cool. Caleb um, gorgeous uh, also, I mean, you've also had a lot of talk about Yakez. So Yakez is the band that I have with my husband. And in a way, it's sort of taken your husband, John, my husband, John, so sweet. John Velez Jackson. And he took your names. Yeah, yeah. he did. Wow. Uh, we have our family name. Yeah. Um, it's sort of taken over that, that aspect of my life where I created music alone and did all that digitally. I do it with him. Mm-hmm. It's our family band. Mm-hmm. And it originally started in a period of time where I was pretty residency mm-hmm. Um And, you know, had the usual despair around that. It was, you know, it was after making ends meet and after my first solo evening. I feel like I had a lot of, like, momentum. And then all of a sudden it was just empty. Mm. And... And he was like, let's just make work. I want to I wanna write raps for you. <laughs> I was like, you want to write raps for me? Great. He's a writer uh, and a musician. And so it was very much our, like, home project. That And it got me also, like, woke me up to the fact that, yeah, I don't need that to create. I can do what I used to do, which was really feel like a maker without anyone approval or resource from anything. Right. And so Yakez started in that time period, and so did the Starcraft project. Mm-hmm. Both of them, they're very parallel to one another. And I mean, I'm, I know about Starcraft, obviously, I've, I think the second time I curated you was for Starcraft. Talk about Starcraft. So Starcraft started as similarly, I wanted to make work, and I wanted to make work with groups of people. And I, I also had to 
address the complete lack of space, money in order to do that. So I created structures that were improvisational structures, almost these prompts, like the very first StarCraft project was an email that I sent out that was like, would folks, you know, who is interested in fail wearing high heels and completely failing getting into fights and heels. I loved that. It was at CPR. Yeah. Uh, getting into fights and heels. Um, you know, this concept of video dance being comp- being reviled by video dance, mm-hmm. but or giving it your all and being completely okay with failing. You know, and other mm. random. Didn't people. someone's hair get cut off and turned into a painting for what? that? Was my hair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was great. So, so the painting was good. So these group, I love the paintings. I me too. So these group pieces that I made were, you know, me sort of feeling like I want to work with a group, I want to create things, but I cannot support getting people in a room this many right. times and paying them. So I'm just going to create a situation, right. and that's really how I started pushing improvisation because it was like mm. we can meet twice. And yeah. then the third time, everyone's going to be in front of us. Wow. And I'm going to have my hair cut on stage, and the pieces of hair are going to create a paint. We're going to make paintings out of this. You know, it was, so it was the beginning of uh, that very super improvisation-based and very, again, multidisciplinary work. And all the casts that were in that were also starting to feed into Yakez. I mean, the two pieces have you know, really Yeah, I feel you have this kind of company as well of Tyler... Tyler was one of the first people to answer that email. Tyler Ashley, Talia Epstein, uh, Niv Acosta was yes, in the, that first group, and Niv cut my hair. Stars. Uh, and they like fought in those high heels. Mm-hmm. That was so incredible. And so I was always interested in contact improv. Mm, and Ash I came suck in at later, it. I think. Way later. Way later. Um I liked fights, you know. I was like, "This is this is the kind of group interaction I'd, I'd like to have." Not like you know, watery, soft contact improv. Mm-hmm. Then John, who this became revealed years later, was obsessed with pro wrestling as a child, and actually memorized sequence the names of all of people's finishing moves, the choreography, the set, the 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 people's move set. And he was like, I can help. And so then that's really how pro wrestling became a part of Yakez. It was how he could be charged physically in it because otherwise he was completely not into dancing. Like not into even me telling him, please step touch for a little while. Like, uh-huh. no, it wasn't going to happen. Because there, I do remember the wrestling motifs too. And even at um, Lucy Sexton's goodbye party, I remember watching that oh, one. Yeah. I've seen so much of your work, Teresa. Oh. I really, as I think back, I'm like, wow, I've seen like, a lot. It's so I the I mean the the thing that is also so exciting for me about it is your fusion of humor and uh it is this post Judson uh mm-hmm. I I would I'd say you know it's post postmodern mm. and how you look to rearrange those sequences is so great. We do see, so, I feel we've seen so much of Larissa's work. She's so prolific. Yeah. It just always seems, it's insane. I don't know how you do so many things. Mm. Well, you know, I suffer and the body is <laughs> suffering. <laughs> I think it's kind of, uh, I was talking with Jack a little bit when I first got here. I'm injured now and I'm having to really look at um, being okay with taking care of myself first and doing a little less it's that's probably going to be my hardest lesson yeah yeah 
I get yeah. it. I think, I mean, we're at that age. We're all doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's that thing of doing, you know, I wanted, and I feel like John was on board and interested too, to allow our married life and our family life to just start getting pushed into performance. And mm-hmm. that's what I want. It's like, I don't really want to see a separation between anything. Mm-hmm. So that's why my fitness students are on stage mm-hmm. and our family life is on display between John and I and, you know, all the things that I'm interested in immediately start getting crammed into the work. Mm. Um, yeah. It probably makes the creative process a little faster, where you're like, everybody just watch us make dinner. <laughs> or everyone watch it, deal with us arguing. And hopefully right. this will become an interesting, uh, interesting writing between us later. <laughs> um, as you're looking in terms of what you want to do, in terms of taking care of yourself first, and how, and from what I've been seeing in terms of your residency, processes as well are are you thinking of being in the work less or being in the work in a different way yes absolutely and actually i'm having to now slowly starting to accept that perhaps i will have to dance less which is like the most heartbreaking part because i feel just like you know i just it's kind of crazy but i guess we just have to listen to whatever our bodies really what what it's time for but starting this 92nd Street Y residency at the Harkness Dance Center this year, I was like, this is it. I'm getting conditioned. We, I, mm. I had worked on Yeah, I guess, for, th- for three years. And that piece was such a product. You know, it was a concert. It was a very multimedia production. And now that that's, um, you know, been done and now moving toward this residency at Harkness, I was like, I'm going to dance. It's going to be about dancing. Yeah. And, and coming back to improvisation, but, you know, highly, highly dance-based. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then so being sort of very injured through that and having to immediately accept, like, this is about me directing. I'm directing now. <laughs> you know, you just have to, like, make these adjustments super quickly. I'm, I'm pretty good. I feel like this is the sag part, read at being yeah. able to adapt. I can adapt in, like, a blink. It's like, okay, yeah. fine. I'm a director now. Great. You know, yeah, that's kind of, um, but because of all the multimedia aspects, yes, I'm going to run, I'm just going to run the sound machine on stage. Yes, well, I'm, I'm also so curious sing. about and paintings and visual art and these ways in which I, at least it seems you were first thinking of making live performance from a visual art through the informant the information of visual art, you know, that you had dance training, but were informed about making vis-a-vis visual art. Yeah, big time. So it'll be curious to see where that unravels too. I mean, for myself, I feel as I've gotten older, the thing that's kicked in more is writing and not writing for performance. Mm. 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 And Reed gets to make costumes. Yes. He just gets to draw. And for me, as I get older, you know, I'm not so sure. What do I like? I like eating. Um, that could be a career. I could make. A, I love movies. I hope that could be a career. Watching movies. Yeah. Being a film critic, right? In so a we'll way, see. That's what we almost do on this podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say that's what the your, your podcast. A lot of a lot of it's a lot of a lot of movies. A lot of movie watching and talking about TV. Yes. It's true. My favorite. Um, you guys, I have to go. 
my family and I are going to Palm Springs now. Um, and Larissa, we love you. And Jack should finish up the interview because yeah. I think there's more to say. There's a little more I want to talk about. But, but I have to go. And <laughs> technology has not been perfectly on our side. And, and that's okay. It'll have to be. I'm I sad I wasn't read. there Thank for this so interview. Much. But we'll do too. you again and we'll all be there together. Okay, well, goodbye, you guys. All right, love you, Reed. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Sarid so had to go. We had to get in a car. It's just us now, Larissa. Hello. Tell me what you're working on. So you have the 92nd Street Y, and are you working on a new show? Well, I'm, I am, I feel like it takes me about three years to make things. So I'm in year one of early research on furthering the StarCraft method, mm-hmm. that in, improvisational performance practice. Um, and there is... When you say make things, I mean, what do you... Because I feel that there's been all this work in the last few years. Would you say that's under the bracket of StarCraft? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, the, our last... Let's say the StarCraft method um, premiered in 2014. At Chocolate Factory. Yeah, and then right. you curated it in right. 2015 at the right. Mad Museum. Right. So it hasn't... Let's say it as a thing that was performed and worked on mm-hmm. uh, hasn't been since about 2015. Mm-hmm. So going now, like wanting to revisit it, mm-hmm. not for the purpose of making a show from it, but mm-hmm. to really research what what, it what its potential is, what yeah. it can be about. Opening it up now to different collaborators as well as a form of research. A new element which has healing the healing is a big sort of facet of it now, especially yeah. with myself wanting to be to fully participate. But it, I might have to not be participate completely with my dancing body, mm-hmm. or like my body dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's year one of just researching it as a form. How long is a residency? It's a year. It's a year residency. Yeah. And so now I'm writing, you know, all the stuff to like figure out year two, and usually. Mm-hmm. By somewhere in the mid of year two, I start to go, I know the piece that will be made from this. And then generally year three is it turns into a production. And so, yeah, that's kind of... It's so nice to be able to have time to research without the capitalist finished time for the show, put it up, get reviewed, you know. I I can't work that way. I don't think work comes out well either. Uh, Maybe if, well, I feel like the stuff that I do, it's so open also so that it has to be worked on for a couple of years so that it can have a real uh, cohesiveness. Mm -hmm. The aesthetic voice has to be Mm -hmm. super clear even while it appears like it's completely open and falling apart. It's actually meticulously designed underneath all of that. Yeah. So I think that takes some years. Yeah. Especially since I, I'm not the type that has been able to take people away for like a month at a time. Right. You know, that's only only in the past couple of years has even that kind of thing started. And it's surely not for a month. Yeah. I had I've had that experience once, which was incredible. A month. A whole month. Yeah. When we got mm. the installation for Shamp, I got mm. Jacob and Michelle for a month in Portland, Maine. Wow. And we would work at the Institute of Contemporary Art at Maine College of Art every day with the installation and it really it was amazing Mm. it was an incredible I mean it's one of those things that this has been talked about before on the podcast for sure of the difference between the American and the European model of Mm. funding and residencies however um, I do think there is something to 
it's more for when it's for a project. So it's different to have research. That's one thing. When you have a project that has too much time is when I can sometimes see something that's been in an oven too long. Mm. There's, there's underbaking and there's overbaking. Mm. And I've, I've definitely seen things where someone's fiddled around so long that actually what I'm, all I'm watching is just the fiddling by the end of it, mm. which it's hard to, to let this, the piece speak. Let the work speak instead of just the author, which is a, a different thing. Mm. Um, so you, you're, how far are you in this residency? It started this fall. So it's, this is the beginning. Wow. Yeah, super beginning. Lisa, that's so wonderful. Thank you. And the aspects this summer through Movement Research, mm-hmm. like Spring Festival, mm-hmm. I was supposed to do a solo. And I was like, you know what? And it was a, I forgot what the prompt was. It was like... It was at Come On Everybody in Brooklyn, uh-huh, yeah. which is such a sweet, yeah. amazing space. And Isn't so that I, Come On Every Booty? Isn't no. That, every Booty is not, one of the parties that happens there. Okay. Like, but it's through that. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think, I'm going to quote me on it, but I believe, yeah, I think I'm Every Booty sure is either. a party that happens there. Um, it was, Lori Berg was a curator, Amy Koshman, and who, mm-hmm. oh, and Monster Black. They were uh-huh. the three MR Spring Festival curators. And so it was at this place in particular and was looking at artists. Uh, dealing also with club and mm. with multimedia, um, DJing, all that stuff. So you, yeah, and so it was, and I was like, I'm gonna practice a Starcraft method solo, like literally, just like whip it out. I I know what the practice is. I'm gonna do, and then these injuries were already starting to plague me over the summer, and so I had a massive effusion, you know, full on yep. water on the knee, which I have about half amount of water on the knee right now. It's just like this like watery sack in there, and. At, um, I believe Tyler Ashley was doing a, a, an event, fundraising event f- for LGBT seniors. Mm-hmm. And I went to this event and his friend Chris Cito, who is new, a new Reiki practitioner, like my leg is up and he's like, just like, just puts his hand over. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it was, I felt some serious like- Energy. Yeah, and I'm pretty fast with things. So I was right. like, oh my God. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is it. I'm gonna have a Reiki session. I'm gonna invite Chrisito to have a couple of rehearsals with me. We're gonna do a Reiki session. I'm gonna narrate the energy work in full StarCraft method form. I'm gonna have the computer there and like make little vibrational like sounds with my little setup that I do. And I'll be able to sing about the experience. And then at the end, he's gonna dance, you know? And so we like, I worked on this format and it was pretty fun. I was like, this, there's really something here. Like, so using the StarCraft method, uh, this sort of narration, inner mo- the inner monologue coming out to the inner witness, like basically blabbing on as performance is going, um, to apply that to somatics and healing work. Amazing. So, so that's the new... Fun. And it, it worked really well. I thought it was... Because it was very interesting because I'm trying to authentically be in a real healing moment, mm-hmm. but yet you're watching me still take care of a performance experience. So right. to be able to like split yourself in two you know, with that, and it worked. Uh, for people who might not know what StarCraft Method means, mm-hmm. can you briefly say what that is? Sure. It, it, it's an improvisation technique that is definitely, at this point, it's dancer-based, dancer-driven. So it's there's a way in which you enter into dance improvisation that's very specific. And inside of that practice... 
you're able to talk about the experience of doing it mm -hmm. or sing about the experience of doing it. And there's some music that I arrange that's played. And when we do it in a group, dancers are able to manipulate music being on or off and changing it. So we're kind of, it's a very soupy sort of group composition method uh, that allows for the inner workings of the dancer to, to be present. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what happens next, Larissa. I, I love Thank you. you so much. And I, uh, have had such amazing experiences watching your work is clearly growing from the beginning memory of that piece that I saw through through recent and mm. I've known you for a real long time mm -hmm. like well over a decade um so that work so like that original piece of like processing the deeply personal yeah. through that now I'm trying to figure out ways to do that readily like yep. Just in the moment, yeah. right now, what what is that? Also, it? seems informed by the dancers, which I think is something that happens for you know, in in terms of, um, it's it's so interesting to hear your background and where that, that came from because that all makes sense to me. Mm. That all makes sense. So cool. So my latest certification is now sound therapy using the singing balls. Oh, yeah. So dealing with vibration. So the last part, and I'll, to finish answering your question about the Starcraft method now in residence, I'm sort of lugging these bowls in now, and, which I have to decide how much of that I want to do. Do you have so do. many? Do you have the, all of them for the chakra? Do you have the the ones for each different? Nah, chakra? I don't have okay, all the different that, yoga yeah. chakra ones, but these are different ones that are played mm. on the body. So yeah. now beginning to not only heal yourself with sound it's another instrument it's right. kind of like that multitasking multimedia situation yeah but it's true it's like you have to there's this moment of like yes carrying the balls and how much even though this is a really healing way for me to enter into the work you need to get a grant much. for from like juno you know <laughs> you need to write juno and have and see if you can get like a car each day um i'm excited to see that installation Say so it's gonna be healing singing bowls, Reiki people wandering around. It's gonna be. I, which you really, you are giving me that fierce late sixties vibe. <laughs> yes. yes. With with a with a hot you know nineteen fifty nine formalism. Um, <laughs> Larissa, thank you so much Yay. for coming today and being here. We loves you, and um, I will see you, you soon. 